So, but anyway, it's, it's all good. So, so God wants us to stay strong in him. Amen. Stay strong in the Lord. And that entails being a student, a disciple of the Lord. He told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all men. That means he wants everybody to learn about him. Amen. It's not it's not about just going to church and showing up. You know, you, you've got to put put some effort into this if you want to be what God wants you to be. Amen. And and that's what he wants for all of us. He wants us to be what he has ordained us to be. You know, that's the only good life. So so that's all good. So anyway, uh, I thought we would just uh, shift a little bit in our teachings for Saturday. We're going to talk about the intercessor today. Amen. And um, what that call is, it is a calling. Amen. Now we can say all, everybody is called to intercession because everybody can pray. God wants everybody to pray. Uh, He, and because this is how we communicate with him is through the avenue of prayer. There are many different types of prayer. Uh, I'll go over those at some time, but I thought I would just explain how intercession comes about and uh, exactly what God is up to uh, when he he calls intercessors. But we we are all we all have the ability to intercede. Let me put it to you that way. Why? Because we have a covenant with God. Your covenant is activated by your words, your words of intercession, your words of petition, your words of inquiry, uh, your words of investigation. Uh, Many times we have questions that only God can answer. Amen. So that's when you begin to pray. You begin to, and to pray really means to to humbly uh, ask uh, for what you want. Amen. Uh, it's not an aggressive thing. It's not a demanding thing. It's not, uh, when you have a covenant with God, you have made peace with him. Uh, you're not antagonistic anymore. You're not enemies anymore. Now, one time we were, amen. We, we weren't, when you weren't saved, you were the enemy of God. And then you still can be that way through the, the leading of the carnal mind. Uh, the carnal frame, the emotions, the all of the things that come with carnality puts you against God. But when you come into the life of the spirit, then you are friends with God. That means that you're not fighting against him. He's not withholding anything from you. Uh, you are his friend and he is your friend. Amen. And so when you are friends with someone, what that means is that you you have an obligation to that individual for certain things and and i think when when we say the word friendship we just mean you feel good about somebody i think you know oh that's my friend and then if if you've been spending time with somebody that's your new best friend you know your bff then when y'all fall out you don't even know who they are So really, we don't understand what friendship is when you think about it as human beings. We just think we feel kindly towards somebody. We, it's a feeling with us. And you know, feelings change. 
you let them do something we don't like and your feelings change about them really quickly, sometimes permanently. Amen. And so then we have to understand really what the term friendship means as far as uh, God's definition and what it really, truly means. And friendship is a covenant term. Amen. It is a covenant term. When Jesus uh, sat with the disciples and they had what we refer to as the Last Supper, that was a covenant of eternal friendship with them. So what God does lasts forever. It's eternal. It's not, he's not just your friend today and, oh, I don't like you today because you didn't do so-and-so, you know. He always loves us. He, love is much stronger than like. The best we can conjure up when we're sinners is liking somebody. You say you love people, you just lie in because you don't have the ability to, you know, as, as sinners, you don't have the ability to love people. You love them as long as they, you know, you should see some of the things Christians post on Facebook, giving people advice about how to treat people when they show you their true colors. You know, what's that about? Don't we know more about humanity than, than just to judge people on the way they treat us from time to time? To say nothing how we treat them. Nobody ever gets on there and say, you know, I'm going to start treating people better because I realize they ain't the problem most of the time I am. You never see anything like that on there. You know, God just showed me I need to quit getting on here blasting people behind their back because they're not the problem I am. Because I refuse to repent. I refuse to love. I refuse to forgive. That's why I'm stuck here. You got me? So God is teaching us. As disciples, we are learning what friendship is. He knows exactly what he's doing with each and every one of us. And we have a covenant of eternal friendship with God. And there is a, a, um, uh, a replica or imitation of it in all cultures. And it's called a covenant of strong friendship. So when it's man to man, it's strong friendship. When it's God to man, it's eternal friendship. And so when Jesus cut the covenant with his disciples, they may have thought it was a man-to-man or strong friendship covenant, but it wasn't. It was an eternal covenant. Why? Because there was no blood shed there at the table. The blood would come and be shed later. So that his covenant was acted out with them in stages. First stage was, Drop what you're doing and follow me. And then they followed him and he revealed himself to them and he shared everything, everything that he ever wanted to give all human beings. He gave to his disciples. He gave him him, their uh, his serve their he, he gave them his service. Demonstrated when he sat there and he washed all of their feet. Amen. So here was their servant. He gave them his power and his authority as much as he could. He took care of them. He healed their family members. Amen. He fed them when they were on long road trips with a bunch of people. He fed everybody. So he demonstrated the love of the father and the friendship of the father. So a friend comes to bat for you all the time. 
He loves you at all times. There's nothing ever that that a friend who has is in eternal friendship with you will not do for you. Remember when Judas came and betrayed him and he said, friend. That was after they had cut the covenant. They cut the Last Supper covenant with him and Judas betrayed him. That's why the word betrayal is there. If they hadn't had that meal together, betrayal would not have been what Judas did. He had already pledged. He said, this cup is a testament in my blood. Amen. I'm shedding blood, so you got to go all the way for me too. See, when we come to Christ, you shed, you shed, you might as well bleed because you're giving him your life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's like, well, when we think about it, it, gee, I was messed up and I was on drugs. I was in sin. I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And that's why I came to the Lord. So we don't really think much about what we've given away till we start getting healed by him. You start realizing your worth. He put something inside of you that's valuable. Then all of a sudden, Oh, God's dealing with me about you start struggling huh? because you don't want to go. Now you cool. See, you know, a few scriptures, you know how to get some bills paid, some prayers answered. You cool now. See, this is where you down the road is where you pay the price. You don't pay it up front. Pay it down the road. You look at some of these preachers that are multimillionaires and God come, comes to them. And their worst fear is that God will tell them to lay down everything. That's why they struggle so hard to hold on to it. You know, and we want to, we are increasing, we're increasing, we're growing, we're growing. They always want to grow while always want to. Well, suppose he wants to decrease you. He did John the Baptist. Huh? He said there was not a greater man born than John the Baptist, but he had to decrease so that Jesus could increase. That's the deal. It's a life for a life. If you can't decrease, he can't use you. He can't do nothing with proud flesh, but but crucify it. So that was a betrayal on Judas's part. Listen, Judas had done a lot of stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't considered betrayal until then. He stole the money. You understand what I'm saying? He was the treasure holding the bag. He was dealing behind Jesus's back every day with the Pharisees and, and, and Jesus knew about it. But it was never betrayal until after the Last Supper, after they had cut the covenant. He said, this is my blood being shed for you. Amen. And so that blood being shed made it eternal. So it's, you're my friend forever. You break this, it's a betrayal. So you betrayed the covenant. You betray a covenant, there's a penalty to pay. Amen. You just don't up and just not. <laughs> I mean, we don't, you know, sometimes human beings, we're so pathetic in, in, in understanding the importance of keeping your word. You know, just simple things like that. 
how that works against you when you can just wiggle out of any kind of obligation because you don't you don't feel like it. You don't feel like you want to do it. So this is why God has to remake us. He has to put his character in us because Jesus never reneged on his word. He kept his word. Amen. And he put something in us to cause us to keep our word. If we'll yield to it, if we'll see it as as part of our obligation to God and recognize that, you know, I've given my word on this, Lord. You got to help me. I'm struggling here. I don't want to do what I committed, whatever. But make it an issue so that you can fulfill and be like him. See, he wants us to get beyond our short-sightedness of how we feel about things. He wants us to get a little depth in our lives, you know, and, and what am I, what am I obligated to? What did I, what did I tell somebody I was going to do that I didn't fulfill? Amen. And, and help me fulfill my word. See, that's seldom a prayer that people pray. They, they just, well, God understands what, well, you know, I told him already, I, I'm going to apologize. I'm gonna, all this fixing stuff up. Instead of being people that he can mold and shape. Then we want to be used by God. We want to be up front and lay hands on people, prophesy to people. All, you know, how can he trust you if you, you know, you don't keep your word? That's like basic. It really is. It really is. That's why, you know, the body of Christ is, is confused. You know, people always, if people want to prophesy, you know what they want to do? They want to influence people. Because that's what that is. You know, true prophecy from God will have you running for your life after time. <laughs> from the people you have to give it to. That's what true prophets did. Because it ain't always about houses and cars and good news every time. Because everybody walks up to that altar ain't living right. You understand what I'm saying? You might have to hit them with, you know, straighten up. God will bless you if you straighten up. And it's true. That's sometimes that's the best word you can give somebody. Because people stumble around in darkness and many times they don't know why they can't get off the ground with their lives. So that's a kindness to them. If they can can have that imparted to them. And this is where you're missing it. This is why you keep trying over and over again. It never works for you. This is why. Amen. And so true prophets just carry the word of the Lord. They're not looking to influence people. You know, mostly you prophesy to get the burden off of you. Because it does burden you until you can deliver that word, you know. And so these are the things that, that God is, is, is wanting to teach us. Amen. There's a whole new world out here we know nothing about until we really submit to God and allow him to put us in the place that he wants us to be and transform us into his glorious image. Amen. There's, there's greater things that he wants us to do. There's more profound things to do in your life there's there's more uh helpful things to humanity that you can do with your life amen and so we he wants the but he's got to transform us he can't put holy on top of unholy and he's got to work with us 
and get us to the place where we're totally submissive to him and he knows he can trust us. Amen. It's like, you know, if you some of you who are uh, ever been horseback riding, you know, that horse, they bring your horse with a saddle on it. You don't want one without because you can't get up on it. You understand what I'm saying? So if they bring that out, do you know, just say by me, so you know, later. But uh, that ain't your horse. And so what God does is he gets us tamed so that he can put his power on us. So it doesn't destroy us, destroy other people. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is this is is the work of, of God in this covenant with us is to transform us by the renewing of our minds. You just get you a good scripture and think about it all day. And see how different you are. Instead of just getting a little word when you come into church and, and run home and be the same person 24 hours a day. God wants people who are submitted to his word 24-7, who are looking to be different, who are looking to change, who are looking forward to the changes that God is going to bring about. See, that's when we're, we're in friendship with him. Friend is somebody who, who allows you freedom to mold them. Amen? In, in the sense of God. So he has the freedom to mold us and so that we can carry out his plan for our lives, what he died to bring us into. See, he's paid a great price for this. That's why the demand on us is absolute. It's no halfway doing stuff. You know, uh, submit for a couple of weeks and, and let me bless you. And when the money's all gone, you come back again. That's not what this covenant is about. This covenant is about being transformed in his image, being just like him. In every way, amen, and and having the patience with yourself and the patience with God to allow that transformation to take place. And don't ever think it's complete. He is yet working on all of us, amen. Till you leave this earth, you gonna you got something that's being worked on, amen. And so God, that's what God wants. He wants us back to the original that He redeemed us to be. Amen. I remember uh, years ago, we had um, had some family pictures uh, when when we were children. And you know how kids are. This, you know, they lose the photographs and mother gets to trying to keep up with them and all that kind of stuff. And I remember that we had moved. And when we got to the new place, we couldn't find the, you know, bundle of photographs that we had had. And a friend of mine, family friend, and many of you met her when <laughs> my birthday. We were down in Dayton. My, my friend Maddie, yeah, you know, she was she was always she was our babysitter, amen. And she and and a friend of hers uh, took care of me and my sisters, and they loved me because I was quiet, and they couldn't stand Louise Dewey's because she was. She was so bad and fast. All right, we couldn't stand Louise. We set her up to get whoopings and all kinds of stuff. You ever see a, a three-year-old set, get set up to get whoopings? But she put her hands on her hips and bossed people around where she was just real little. And so, you know, I mean, there was nothing left for me to say, I guess. So, But I always had a, a good rapport with Maddie and with her mother. I really, really loved her mother because her mother would let me talk all day long. She never interrupted me. But she kept her Bible open 
all the time. So she was a godly woman. She's very peaceful, very nice, very quiet. So when my mother got sick of me talking, and when I did talk, I would go over and talk to, to Maddie's mother. And so I, I spoke to Maddie one time and I just mentioned it to her. I said, gee, I sure wish I could find one of those, some of those pictures we had when we were kids. And she said, I got some of those pictures. And she was able to send me one of the four of us when we were a, a picture my mother used to dress us all alike on special occasions and stuff so there's the four of us sitting there all dressed alike and I remember uh, when I was probably around 22 24 years old when I found that so we were all grown and I remember getting a copy made and I had it framed and I packaged it up for my mother for Christmas and she opened it up and you could just feel her heart she was just, just, and she just cried. And, and it was like, that's how I remember my children. And I always want to remember you that way, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so it's a picture of how God feels about us when we come to him. You're, you come to him to get cleaned up and work for him. You come to him to make him proud of you. Amen. And the way you live and the things that, that he's able to impart to you, all this kind of stuff. This is why you come to God. And that gives his heart such delight when we when we want to be transformed, when we want to be like him, when we want to confess our faults. God, help me with this because I know this isn't right. This isn't what you want me to do. And, and, and show me the right way. Amen. So these are the things that Jesus died to provide for us. And that is the new creation person. That is the, the person we've always been intended to be. He's always intended for us to live holy. He's always intended us to behave like him. He's always intended us to be people of integrity. He's always been intended for us to be people of dignity who don't have shame about them all the time, who can always be in a good humor, who can be full of joy and full of understanding of other people, willing to help, willing to bless, that kind of stuff, to be servants. I know a lot of people don't like that word, but that's too bad because he serves yet. He's a priest. He he ministers over your every word. You got me? And he intercedes for us. And that's a that's a ministry itself. That's a servanthood ministry. But yet he is king. He ain't king 24-7. He has, <laughs> he has to get up off his throne and minister for people sometimes too. It's just like you aren't one-dimensional all the time. There are many facets to your character. Amen. You know, you got to get up and clean your own house. You got to get up and, and cook some food. You got to go grocery shopping. So even with your crown on, take it off and go shop for real. Put your do-rag on your head because you might have to fight somebody over toilet paper if these crazy people keep trying the stuff they do. So so you understand what I'm saying. It's, this isn't like sitting up somewhere perched. Let's get real here. We're servants. There are too many people that need too many things that you can help them with because God lives in you. And that's his plan. So his eternal friendship covenant is what we have. And that makes us friends eternally. That's why we can be comfortable. Oh, you can rest assured. He will never leave me or turn his back on me. You know, to forsake somebody means this. 
you have promised to do this thing for them and then you renege on it. You say, I'm not going to do it. That ain't God. He said, I'm not going to do that to you. You know, if I can't give it to you in the condition you're in, I'll get you fixed up to the point to where I can give it to you. You understand what I'm saying? And and so God has that that ability that that to be a, a, an eternal friend for us. It's better than being a strong friend. Amen. There are no covenants of strong friendship anymore. You know that when the blood of Jesus came, uh, was revealed and shed, that ended all of these covenants. They have no little. They have very little, if, if any, power anymore. Now you might go to some some uh, countries and some areas where uh, they call it primitive. People are primitive people. They believe in bloodshed for, for uh, you know, the ending of, of uh, animosity and, and friendship is established. Native American people uh, lived like that for many years. And then uh, the Christians came over to this country. Once Christianity is introduced and the blood of Jesus is, is spoken of and, and, uh, and, and partaken of by people through the born again experience, that makes all other bloodshed null and void. It don't even make sense to do those things, those rituals anymore. But they did at one time, it was you were considered to be enemies until you cut that covenant of strong friendship with somebody. That's how many of our missionaries made it through difficult areas is through these blood covenants. Amen. They realized they were of lesser power than the blood of Jesus was. But in order to keep peace with these people, that's what they felt it necessary to do. But being a strong friend is different than being an eternal friend. So that's why those other covenants have kind of like lost their meaning. Because now we have a way to make God our eternal friend through the eternal covenant. Amen. Through his eternal blood that he shed once and for all for all of humanity. So when we are friends with God, our, our, our position is that we are submitted to him in every way. The Bible says that the less is blessed by the better. So we are less because we have nothing to offer him. You go to the covenant table with God, he supplies everything. You, you're not given anything. Amen. You give him your sin, you give him your debts, you give him your bad language, you give him your bad habits, you give him all that, all that stuff is laid down. So God says, okay, that's what you got to offer. Just lay it down right there. Okay. Excuse me. I got something better for you. Amen. Like the little, uh, little, uh, uh, fake fur coat we wore all them years, you know, just, just, you know, you get married, your husband be looking at it. He said, maybe we get you something better, baby. Okay, we just, we working on it. We may not have it all right now, but we going to work on it. So, so the less is blessed by the better. Who doesn't get married to do better? You'll do better in some kind of way. Amen. And you go act better too. It ain't a one-way deal. See, even with us and God, it's not a one-way deal. We have something to contribute to, and that is our love and our worship. That's what you give him, and that's that satisfies him. 
All you do is give him your love and your worship, and he's satisfied. He says, oh, wow. Well, I'll give you this, this, this. In fact, I'll take care of you forever, as long as you worship me. Got it? The Bible says when you when you fear the Lord, wealth and riches will be in your house. Your kids will be mighty. That means when you love God, you fulfill the covenant. You fulfilled everything. Just keep loving him. Don't stop loving him. Don't turn your back on him. Don't quit. Don't quit trying to please him. Just keep at it. That's all he wants. He wants a no-quit bride. You got me? A ride or die. Somebody you can wake up in the middle of the night and say, I need somebody to pray for such and such and so and so. Got him, you'll ride or die. Amen. I'm let's let's hop on the, the cycle and let's get it loaded up. Get the gasoline in there. I'm here. I'm jumping on the back with you. Here we go. Amen. That's what an intercessor is. A friend of God, a deep friend of God, one that he can call on any time to do anything. And we not too busy. We ain't getting nails done and getting hair done, you know, for 18 hours. That's got to be some kind of sin somewhere. I don't care how many little teeny braids you like. To spend that much time adorning yourself. Well, I won't go there, but. You know. I mean, it's good to look nice, but come on. We take it too far sometimes. Just between me and you. The Christian. The Christians. Amen. Or you can water, water uh, braid her out and she got to take a break and you come put something on your head for a day and come back and get it. The other half done. Let's see, that don't make sense. Not when you can buy a cap, a roster cap with them dreads sticking out the back. <laughs> and then you get your new growth in a month. You got to get it all under. Oh, my goodness. Y'all really don't have nothing to do. Follow him and he will make you fishers of men so you can get out your head. Anyhow, here we go. So, so. God wants us to be his servants, his friends. Friends you tell things to. He needs somebody he can share his plans with on the earth. Let me see if I can find that. I'm I'm a little bit, I won't say winging it, but I'm <laughs> I'm kind of trying to to do through by inspiration because intercession is such a a topic for me, you know, sometimes you, you remember where you were, sometimes you don't remember where you were and all of this, but, but I, I did put down some notes, but not as many probably as I, I should have. So, uh, but anyway, I would talk about Abraham who really was the first intercessor that we see in the word. Now there were some before him and we know that all of the prophets were intercessors. So you got Noah was one for sure. Enoch was one. All of the ones that walked with God and and walked with God, you you can assume that office on them uh, because they were righteous people and God shared his mind with them 
in order for them to be righteous, God had to put the word inside of them. So we can assume that they had the word of the Lord because they they stayed righteous. Amen. And and re, were rewarded for it. But the other part of it, too, is there's not enough detail there for us to be able to say that for sure. So the one I can see, the first one I can see that that you can you can say was was there was Abraham. And so we see Abraham in Genesis in in um, uh, chapter 19. Uh, it says here. Ah, I'm sorry, Genesis 18. I got to go back to where he's talking, uh, what he, he thinks about Abraham and how he's talking to him. Um, in, in 18, start in verse 16. Abraham has just had a visitation uh, from God in in through in in these are what we call theophanies they are symbols of god so when when it says men but they show up all of a sudden and in abram starts dealing in covenant with them he gives them a meal sits down with them that that's a god sent whoever could be an angel could be jesus and pre-incarnate christ it says and the men rose from thence and looked toward sodom And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So what God is saying, should I try and hide something, my plans from him? Because I've already given him. You understand what I'm saying? What I've already trusted him with, this has got to be a small thing in comparison. Amen. And so he says, I've already made him a ruler. I've already made him a great mighty nation. I've already given him. In fact, Abraham at this point is heir of the whole world. Now that will be realized many, many, many generations down the line in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the final heir. He's the the second Adam. So he's the final heir. Adam was the first heir of the whole world, folks. God gave him dominion over the earth. So the whole world belonged to Adam and Eve. And so... When the devil stole it, he became the God of this world. So he's running stuff, but Jesus came and got it back. In fact, God continually passed on the world to different heirs through the nation of Israel. So everybody, if you look in the genealogy of Jesus, look in any of the Gospels, I think they all list them. Matthew, I know Luke does. uh, All of them list the genealogy of Jesus, uh, starting with Adam. Amen. Uh, in I think it's Matthew. It says in, in so and so begot um, uh, Seth, who begot Adam begot Seth, and Seth was the son of uh, Adam, the son of God. And so here we come back into our inheritance through Jesus Christ. But it took all kinds of generations to get it there. So what God is saying is, I've given this man a whole world already. 
Should I hide from him something that I want to do? In other words, if he's going to be responsible to manage the whole world, what do I need to share with him so that he can be a better manager of it? So we Christians are heirs of the whole world. You know that. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the whole world. That's why God says go into all the world and preach the gospel. He can't send you somewhere you don't belong. You got me? So the whole world belongs to the heirs of Jesus Christ, the joint heirs with Christ. So it belongs to us. So what does God want to tell us? so that we can be proper stewards of what he's given us. He's got to tell us his plans. Amen. And he's always done that through his servants, the prophets. And he gives his plans because we have a part to play in it. And he wants to see what our input is. So he's dealing with Abraham the same way he did with Adam. Remember, it says he walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. He came down into the garden. They walked together. And what did he do? He must have shared plans with him. He must have told Adam what to do with this and what to do with that and what, how to treat this. And, you know, this, and this, remember the tree over there? Not supposed to touch it. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and and laid out everything because he had instructed Adam in how to run things. So he, again, is sharing. This is what you do with friends. He's got a covenant of eternal friendship with Abraham. Amen. It's a blood covenant. God's always the one shedding the blood or providing the animals for the blood. He never requires man to share his blood shed his blood for this covenant god's always the donor amen why because he's the one who invites us into it you got me so all we have to do is receive it renounce the old ways and receive what god has for us in order to operate in our end of the covenant We give up very little. You give up your old stuff, but then, like I say, when you when you start gaining some things in it, then you struggle. You don't want you don't want God to to come and claim you anymore because of you know you got other things to do. You know what I'm saying? Cool now. So anyway, he says, seeing that Abraham, he says, should I hide this from him? In other words, I've got plans here. And I need to discuss them because they directly affect him because he owns the whole world now. This is Abraham's property. So I need to discuss with him what I'm doing down here. And that's all God does when he chooses intercessors. This is our world. He gave it to us. We are we are heirs of the second Adam. We're heirs. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This is our inheritance. The world is. Other than that, you couldn't go on an airplane and preach nothing to nobody. You couldn't go down the street and freely give somebody a tract. It's got nothing to do with the fact that you live in America. That just makes it easier. But if you lived in China where it was forbidden, you could still witness to somebody because God says you can Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're all free to do that because of of our inheritance. Amen. 
God says, I'll give you the nations, the heathen for an inheritance. And there, there are heirs. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll still be imparting. As long as we're here, you're going to impart God's life to somebody. That's how they become heirs. We give them his life. Amen. Invite him into his life. And he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So he says, this man owns everything already. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in him. I see him. I see his final heir, Jesus, leading a whole army of Christians into eternity. So can I hide anything I'm going to do from him? I got to share stuff with him. We're partners in this. Amen. And he said, and for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. So this is one of the qualifications for intercessors. I'm going to say it again. He says, I know him. He will command his children and his household after him. In other words, you ain't scared of your unsaved people living in your house. You got me? You have authority over all the worst. You've already recognized who you are. You are living in your correct identity. Amen. And God can trust you to stay true to him and not compromise because your kids don't want to go to church and you start staying at home. Amen. And telling them they don't have to go if they don't want to. So if you have command over your household, this is one of your qualifications for intercession. If you can't take care of your own, the people God's all, those people are saved already. If you're saved, they're saved. If you don't recognize that, then you don't have a good grasp on the word. You're not any good to God. I'm just real sorry. Wimps don't make good fighters. They don't make good intercessors. If you're vacillating on the word just because your kid don't like it, you know, or your kid don't like your stance on the word. You know, it's unsafe. People do better than that. You know, your average person is just going to church. Will herd everybody in there. If you're going to live in my house, you're going to get up and go on Sunday. Don't nobody sleep in on Sunday morning. I don't care what you did Saturday night. You're going to get up and go to church. You understand what I'm saying? And so he commands his household after him to do everything that he does amen so you've got to be a living example for those in your household first and command that they do what you do amen you're obeying god so you're commanding them to obey and that they keep the way of the lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken to him. So Abraham was already obligated to obey God in every area of his life as a, as a, a stipulation for his inheritance. Obedience to God is always a stipulation for your inheritance. If you can't obey God, why would he give you anything? He will give to rebellious people. He gives obedient people. And he says that, 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 that Abraham qualifies now for me to share my plans with him and for us to interact around those plans. It, the, 
God says, come, let us reason together. He wants our input. He wants our understanding. He wants our cooperation in what he's doing. So when he looks for an intercessor, he's looking for somebody, number one, who is trustworthy, who has command over that household, who isn't just a a person sitting there, you know, and if the kids start to balk, you get intimidated because, you know, they could go over and live with their daddy and leave me here by myself. You know, I've heard it all. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they, well, I told the kids they didn't have to come both days, just Sunday. Well, pretty soon nobody's coming any day. You understand what I'm saying? And and so there needs to be a a um, a laying down of law and a laying down of traditions that the family keeps that you don't, you're unbendable on. You don't bend. If they stop coming, you keep coming. You don't stop with them because that's what the devil wants. He wants the kids to start running everything. Amen. Like they do in a lot of households. Amen. And so the Lord says, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I'm going to go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. If not, I will know. So God comes and inspects himself so that he can judge accurately. He's not going on hearsay. He's not going on nothing. He wants to come down himself to see what is going on. He says, so I'm going to go down now and see whether they have done according to the cry of it. And the men turned their faces from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and say, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So God explains through these angels, it appears, what his plan was. And, and, and so it says he stood uh, speaking to God, but the other men had moved on. So he's dealing with God now face to face in in covenant. Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy this? So this is intercession. Amen. It's reasoning together with God. And and intercessors, number one, if you're an intercessor, you've got to know God well enough and know enough of his word and be sold out to God so that you can interact with him in conversation. You can go in your Bible. And and you can see where God is speaking to you and telling you what his plan is, what he wants to do. And he begins to lay things out to you because he wants you to do something with it. Now, I'm going to say something that people may not like too well, but God is not telling all these people his plans and they just sit up and do nothing. He's not giving you a vision and a prophecy and you don't pray it through. And let God use that to help somebody. You're just collecting words. You're just giving out words for people to collect. You understand? Your life should reflect a command over your own life, your household, your kid's school, 
the the city you live in, your life has to reflect that you are doing something with the information God is giving you. And when he starts to give Abraham the information about Sodom and, and about Gomorrah, Abraham begins to step in and use his influence reasoning with God about what he knows about God. What does he know about God? He knows God is righteous. He's a God of justice, but he's also a God of of judgment. He's a God of mercy. He's a God who wants to spare the righteous, even if he has to condemn the sinner, amen, and judge the sin. So Abraham sees an opening here for him to intercede on behalf of righteous people. Moses did it. They all do it. Everybody, every prophet that has relationship with God is able to see themselves in the place of people who are ignorant, don't know any better, all of that. It's called compassion. When you understand, when you can look back, if, if you're saved and if you have real relationship with God and he has brought you from a certain place to a certain place, that should put something in you that wells up to want to help other people so they won't be destroyed because he spared you. See, when he says forgive because you have been forgiven, that means you always identify with that person that used to sin. And, and, and you're not too good to, to get on your face and identify with somebody who's lost. There's always that imprint in the heart of an intercessor. And we're not trying to get people, uh, you know, get them off easy because of, you know, whatever. You know, people don't get off easy. But it, intercession is something that you petition God how to pray. See, you see an opening. Well, God, you could show mercy to this person because you're a merciful God. And then you put that before God and find out how to pray. You're not demanding mercy for everybody. You're finding out what's in God's heart. You have an interaction with him. You have a back and forth with him. You have a, and you have a status with him. You don't come from a beggar's perspective. God, because he invited you in, you got a seat at the table. Amen. The table of intercession, the table, the table of, of, of uh, covenant where you have broken the bread and drank the wine. And now you're dealing with the things that need to be dealt with before God. And Jesus is a high priest over your confession. You get it checked off with him, whether that's the way I, is this the way we want to go, God? Is this this what you want to do down here? Amen. I'm here to do what you want to do. But I want to enter, I want to ask on behalf of you know, the city, on behalf of the good people here, on behalf of the children who are yet unborn. I'm going to ask on behalf of those. Amen. And, and spare these. Amen. And so this is this is where he he's friends with. They, they are sitting at a common table and speaking as friends where Abraham's down here on earth and he sees it from his perspective. God's up in heaven and he's looking at it from his perspective, but he's coming down to earth to inspect what he should do. But he's allowing Abraham to have some input, some Holy Ghost input. And so Abraham begins to petition God. He says, "If, if would you destroy it, spirit, if you found 50 righteous and and." And, and in 25, it says that 
be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. So Abraham understands God's word. He understands God's covenant. He understands that righteous people cannot be judged with the wicked. And he says that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you, God. You're not going to do nothing like that. I know you better than that. And see, God respects that knowledge because it's true. And he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare it all a place for their sakes. Abraham answered and said, behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, and I'm just but dust. And this is humility. You got it? He's humbling himself. I'm not telling, trying to tell you what to do, God. Just, you know, I'm going to back up in case I'm going too far. He says, peradventure there be uh, you, there lack five of the 50 righteous. Will you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he's like hmm, 45 people. And he says, if I find 40 and five, I will not destroy it. Then he spoke again and said, peradventure there be 40. He said, no, I won't destroy it for 46. He said, oh, let not the God be angry, but I'm going to ask you again. See, this is how you intercede. This is how you find the heart of God. You started your level. Didn't Abraham start at his level of faith? See, this is why don't condemn yourself because you didn't get something. Well, I just got little faith. Your faith will grow. Keep dealing with God. But you find out it gets stronger and stronger the more you penetrate into God's heart and get to know him. See, faith can always be increased. And in a twinkling of an eye, it can increase. It don't take you 10 years to get stronger in your faith. It can happen in one conversation. It happened with Jesus many times. And he says here, he said, don't let the Lord be angry. But if you find 30, and he said, I have taken it upon me to speak to the Lord. If there are 20, and he said, I will not destroy for 20. Oh, Lord, not that. The, would it be for 10? So this is 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 um, uh, reasoning together where you find out where God's heart really is. God, you're not so bad. If it was me, God, I'd have killed up everybody. If I could find 50, I'd have killed them too. But I find out you're pretty merciful, God. See, this is what intercession will do for, this is why people who pray and who are intercessors that, that have an assignment from God to pray, this is why they, you can say, well, you can be at, you know, think you at, at your wit's end and nothing can help you. And you go and talk to one of them people. Oh, sure. We'll ask God will do that for you. And then you go away and you're so relieved. Well, they just took that burden off of you with their faith. They know God well enough to know he's merciful and he'll do it. I got a covenant with God that says he heals everybody. He healed them all. Well, I sinned. Repent. Well, you're going to stand here and hold on to your sin. I suggest very strongly you let it go. Huh? Huh? Why? Because the intercessor knows James 5.14. He knows sin ain't got me. Come on now. Sin is what got you in the mess. He's already dealt with that. 
didn't Jesus tell that young man on that cot, he said, your sins are forgiven you? Why did he say that? Because he knew that was what the problem was. That's what had it stretched out on that cot. Guilt. Amen. All of that. And he says he won't destroy it for 10. And the Lord went his way. As soon as he had left communing with Abraham, Abraham returned unto his place. And so Abraham was able to allow his relatives to be rescued from the city. But apparently there weren't 10, uh, 10 what do you call it, righteous people there. Amen. Because the city wound up being destroyed. But God in his mercy allowed the righteous to come out. And this was something that Abraham did not negotiate for. See, where Abraham left off negotiation would have killed everybody in there, Lot and his family too. But see, God always does exceeding abundantly beyond. He just wants you to learn how to talk to him and how to work with him, intercessor. You call to intercede, he wants you to know stuff about him. Now you stopped at 10, but you and I know it ain't 10 people down there. Because I'm trying to think it was Lot in his, I don't know, but it might have been 10 in his family. It was him and his wife. What he had, two daughters. Did he have three sons and their wives? They might have been 10 people in their family. But they weren't all righteous, not just because they're people living up in your house. That don't make them do right all the time. As we know from his wife, remember her? The lesbian, right? So yeah, like <laughs> the Bible says, remember Lot's wife. And I, I, asked, I asked the Lord one time, what did I, do I remember about her? And then it came to me, oh yeah, she was a lesbian. She didn't want to live, leave, amen? She wanted to go back. She missed all that crazy living. And that was his wife. Now, Lot was not Abraham. So when you're not Abraham and you're Lot, you need an Abraham in your life to intercede for you. See, God don't mind you asking for people. He doesn't mind you inter intercede. He wants us to intercede for people. But, but we can't always push it off on them. You know how some of them people say they need to pray for themselves. If they could do that, they wouldn't bug you. Trust me. They've heard it firsthand. Their prayers ain't working. So that's why they come to you. Amen. When God doesn't want it to work that way anymore, he'll let you know. You got me? But until then, they need somebody to go to God on their behalf. And everybody gets tired of people like that. They don't come to church and claim they saved and all that crazy stuff. But God still loves them. If he could save Lot's crazy family, amen, he'll sell, save some of your relatives. <laughs> amen. He'll do it every time. Amen. Sometimes you got relatives in the closet and they got to smoke them out. and You'll find out they... They know a few scriptures now, and they'll let you know, yeah, I've been going to church. I, I just made up my mind. I was just going to quit running from God, and I'm back with God again. It's all good. Amen? It's all good. 
Trust me, you haven't lost a customer. You always got work to do. You work for God. You got you got plenty to do. Amen. And so he this is this is when uh, Abraham demonstrated his ability as an intercessor. Now he was already a prophet. God called him that when he went to uh, Egypt. One of the times, a second time, I think it was, uh, God told the king to let his wife go. He said, that man is my prophet. He's my spokesperson. So God, when he chooses somebody to, care, to carry his word, that word protects you. It preserves your life. Even though Abram wasn't acting, you know, honestly, to be he was involved in deception, but he was still God's man. Amen. See, God has mercy over his his own. We're the first ones to receive of his mercy. If we didn't, we wouldn't be able to pray for other people. Amen. So we're the first to receive of his mercy. And so and that's why intercessors tend to trust God. You know, we're not like, I wonder what he's going to do. We're not afraid to do what Abraham did to go near to God to peradventure would you do it for this would you do it for that would how you feeling about this <laughs> you know what you doing today how you feel about this where there are many people that don't have that relationship so don't don't take it lightly and don't take it as a small thing uh, your relationship with god is the foundation of every good and every perfect thing in your life so value it and treasure it. it. It didn't just come upon you. It came through God's uh, working in your life, through your covenant with God, through relationship with God, through your study, through your prayer, through your reading the word, being faithful, doing your prayers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, taking on prayer partners, all of that helps to prepare you for what God is doing. Amen. It, it really does. And it's very, very important. So I always reiterate, everybody in here should have a prayer partner. Amen? Who don't have one? Tell on yourself. All right. And be be uh, regular. Amen? Don't put off and say, oh, I got so-and-so. Can we do this later? No, you can't do it later. Never put off. That's That's your daily bread right there. That's your seed to get what you need that you sit up waiting on. You would wait a lot less if you get busy. I know it from experience. And so then the intercessor then is, is the person that is a friend of God. God shares his heart with that person. So you know what's on God's heart. It was not just on God's mind. God's mind and his heart work together. He ain't like us. You got me? His mind's over here and his heart's over there. No, they're, he's complete. Amen. And so his mind and heart work together. And But he, he can change. Amen. What he plans to do. How does he change what he plans to do? Through reasoning together with humanity. That's why he's always looking for somebody down here that he can call on. The call's always out. When, when Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, 
that he would send laborers into the harvest. Laborers include intercessors as well. In fact, you need intercessors really to get the groundwork done. You know, if you don't, if it, it'll get off the ground if people are willing to commit to God and, and stay with God and intercede and pave the road for whatever else God wants to do. So the intercessor is the one who goes in to excavate, to dig out. Amen. And to build and to plant sometimes. Sometimes we excavate so others can build and plant. So you whatever is is there to do, that's what you do. That's what you do for God. So in Isaiah chapter 6, you'll see another intercessory call that, that, uh, that God puts out. In 6 verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So he's had a vision of God. Above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings, with two he covered his faith, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one flew of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. Now, this is how you must approach God. Not with the hot coal tongues, <laughs> the tongues on hot coals, but sins must be purged in the presence of God. Always. You always go to him by way of the blood confessing your sins before you just dive into praying and asking you that praying get nowhere you got to acknowledge you got to acknowledge his holiness this is what isaiah was doing he was more or less when he started acknowledging god's holiness his sin came and told on itself it became evident so it will become evident to you if you would just linger and pause instead of being in such a hurry to get your prayers over with. There is such a thing as worshiping God in his presence. That His presence should stop you in your tracks and, and you lift up holy hands at least for a season. Amen? And there's no entry into the Holy of Holies without worshiping him first. You know, he really shouldn't hear our prayers until we spend some time worshiping him. Amen. This is how you come into his presence. And so when when you understand that God wants us to always acknowledge his holiness, but he has shed blood to make us righteous. So once that blood is applied, after you confess your sin, that's when the blood's applied. Amen. 
it's not applied just because you walk. Now, I know these grace people tell you all kind of stuff, but I don't go, don't take that to the bank. This you can take to the bank. Isaiah was a prophet and he was unclean in the presence of a holy God. Amen. I don't know what you have going for you that your grace is different from mine, but I would just, it's just like going in somebody's house and, and they've got a beige carpet on the floor and you got mud on your boots. You don't just track right in. You stop at the threshold and you say, oh, I don't want to dirty that up. Let me, you acknowledge that cleanliness there. If you can do that in the natural, you can do it at God's throne. That's why a lot of times people don't have things, can't get anything off the ground. <laughs> try and try and try and don't have a mind to have anything. They don't have more because they don't, they don't live a holy life. They don't do the basics of what God requires. And trust me, he likes to get intercessors steeped in wrong doctrine to immobilize you. And what you could do, what you're already doing, he can, if he could stop that in his tracks, he would. She'll ever get so cool with God and so holy that you don't have to acknowledge God. Let me just stand here and pause and thank you for what you, even Peter, when, when Jesus told him to cast the net and he pulled in all those fish, abundance of fish brought him under conviction for his sin. I mean, just... You understand what I'm saying? I don't get I don't get people sometimes. I really don't. As much as God's done, the fact that he shed his blood, you ought to stay on your face in front of him all the time. Don't ever get up off your knees. Because he's worthy. He is. He's worthy of everything you can give him, that and more. Amen. Don't ever get so cool with God. That ain't necessary because I hear so and so teach him. Well, you go get your money back. Huh? Pollute your mind with a bunch of nonsense. And even more so when you want, you know, there's a situation that came up. Somebody in the ministry, a friend of the ministry, had a medical emergency, you know, that needed intercession. I'm going to be cool with God and say I'm clean and I don't need to do it at the cost of grace. No, because I want to see him well. I want to see him walk out of their hole, complete and entire. And yeah, I'll go to God and say, God, listen, God, forgive me. I'm, I've been sitting up here reading this stuff all day long. Cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart. I want this prayer to be heard because this boy needs to live. This is the way an intercessor approaches God. You don't broach, approach him doing the minimum. You approach him the way you, you know, groveling for your life. If that was you on that, that sick bed needing to be healed. Huh? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and poured out everything he could before God. You got me? Stuff you've been hiding all this time, you need to confess it. Get it out of the way so that God can finally find out what it's like to live close to God. Amen? How to walk with him. And it's always acknowledging who you are and acknowledging who he is. Amen? God acknowledge both of them. So some old cute stuff. I get sick of cute stuff. Ain't nothing new under the sun. We need to be perfecting that which has been given to us because we don't know it well enough, apparently. 
but God is 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 wanting us to to respond to that call. He doesn't. He never has enough laborers. There's never enough. There's a lot of church people, a lot of cute people, a lot of people on Facebook with their entourage walking in the church and getting pictures taken, all that kind of stuff. He got enough of them people. He needs some people who just love him and willing to spend hours in his presence if need be in order to get what he needs to come into the earth. And he's going to have his way, folks. It ain't, it ain't as hard as we may think it is. He'll find somebody. Trust me. He always does. Amen? All right, so we're going to pray. We're going to thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he has given us the will, the ability, the gift, the mandate to pray and to intercede, to make a difference to see change for the good, to see the devil finally eradicated, see him on the run, see him not easily uh, intimidating and deceiving people and causing people to come out of deception. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. Lord, we ask you to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you that, that, that we have a God who who wants us to be, you want us to be like you. You want us to be holy like you. And we can't walk in the fullness of that if we've got habits hanging on, if we've got bad attitudes, we've got people we don't like, that people have done us wrong. Lord, we ask you to forgive us if we've held on to anything like that. Wash us clean. Clean us. Give us that Holy Ghost cleansing, the bloodbath that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you for that, Father. And we bless you, we praise you. We pray the crimes against children. We bind the lust, hate, and murder triad. We especially pray for the missing children who have been trafficked over into this country because we don't have a border that's closed anymore. We pray for those children to be accounted for, for them to be found for them to be given back to their rightful parents. Those kids belong to somebody. And we thank you, Lord. Your children are not for sale. And we bless you and we praise you. Father, we thank you and we break spirits of stupor and folly over parents. And we lose godly wisdom, Lord. These parents that take their children to transvestite programs, Father, put conviction on these people. Speak to these people, Father. Let them know that this is wrong that is going to lead to something wrong. We pray for all of these children in Hollywood who are, are in trans, trans children, as children of Hollywood stars who are trans children. We ask you to set them free in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the, the, the stars who are leaving there, fleeing and taking their children so they can be raised in a normal atmosphere. Bless them with salvation, Father. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. Father, we thank you. We declare our homes upright before you. The hearts of the fathers will turn toward the sons and the sons toward the father. Thank you for protection for the heavenly host. We break mind occult, drug culture powers over them. Jezebel, we cut your cords to your children. We show no pity if you weep for them. Let the word of God not depart from children's mouths. Let they be raised in your nurture and admonition. 
We break the power of witchcraft in schools and in the children and in the home. We thank you, Lord, to take, make safety, gun safety, a priority in the homes. Take the guns away and, and take them out of the children's reach so they don't have such access to weapons. And we thank you for that. We bind strife and violence between children. We bind peer pressure to commit murder and we pray for the fruit of self-control. We break the power of gangs especially and we ask you to stop these gangs from making it across our border in Jesus name. Make them undesirable to children. We break the power of witchcraft that allows kidnapping, rape, murder, terrorists, ter internet stalking, transgenderism. Jezebel, we break your false family and fantasy spirits as companions for lonely or rejected children. Thank you, Lord. Fill up their loneliness with your love and make children wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Holy Spirit, draw children to Christian websites and safe places for them and allow them to be able to raise in your nurture and admonition unhindered and unstopped. And Lord, we thank you for blessing our seed, blessing the seed of the righteous, Lord, blessing them with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen again. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. Why don't we do our declaration while we're at it? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get the Rona. <laughs> and she don't have, can't get me. And I don't have, and just talk about whatever it is that you're dealing with, that you're fighting, that you're healed from, and you're standing on that healing. Father, we just take our stand until all symptoms flee and beyond. And we thank you for that. And it don't have me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.